Hello, illustrious listeners. Uh, let me tell you about our friend and your friend, Jay Gonzo's uh, La Mano del Destino. But the last couple of weeks, I've been telling you about it. This time, I'm going to let old buddy Phil Hester tell you about it, because I'm going to read a quote Phil Hester wrote in, in advance praise for La Mano. So these are Phil's words coming out of my mouth. I fell in love with the work of Gonzo through his masterpiece La Mano del Destino when I first saw it screaming out to me from an artist's alley table. It seemed to satisfy a longing I didn't even know I had for a comic that straddled the worlds of lucha libre, weird fiction, and Kirby-inspired graphics, all wrapped up in a dazzling but still gloriously DIY production design. Bottom line, when I see Gonzo attached to something, I know it's got the real heart of indie comics beating at its core, and who can resist that beat? Not me, Phil. I can't resist that beat. So, everyone, run to your store. Call your comic shop. Do whatever you gotta do. Tell them you wanna pick up La Mano del Destino. It's a 240-page trade paperback. Created, written, and drawn by Gonzo. Uh, It collects the original six issues, has a forward by Evan Dorkin, has over 40 bonus pages and making of materials, and it's available to order now at every comic book shop on the planet. Order code MAR210103. Write that down. MAR210103. In stores May 19th. Tell your store you want it. You won't regret it. You're listening to The Illustrious Gentleman, a podcast hosted by two comic book professionals who get together to talk about comics, work, beer, and life. Scott Godleski is currently working on Superman for DC Comics, and Ryan Cody, that's me, is coloring Family Tree at Image Comics. You can visit TigShow.com for all your Tig Show merch needs and for links on where to follow us on social media and how to support the show by joining up as a patron or just buying us around. It's all there at TigShow.com. Still no Scott this week, so another solo sewed with me. Sadly, uh, no one misses Scott more than I do. He's still as much of the podcast as I am, maybe more. And I can't wait for him to wrap up his month and a half of hell he's got going on and hop back on here with us. But for tonight, and once again, you're going to have to settle just for me. And today I'm going to talk about breaking into comics based on my experience and giving some advice based on my experience. Uh, But before we get into that, I thought I would catch you guys up on a little bit of TIG Talk on some of the stuff that I've been watching for the last couple weeks. First up, we have Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I sadly uh, watched a couple weeks ago. I uh, went ahead and got a new subscription for HBO Max because they're not giving those things away on a trial basis like they used to. So a couple weeks ago, I was just sitting there. I spent an entire Friday morning watching Justice League by Zack Snyder. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a long movie. At one point, I was messaging uh, Scott and our buddy Matt. And at one point, I was talking about the movie or sending some messages about the movie. And I thought to myself, like, oh, I only got about an hour to go on this. It should be uh, wrapping up soon. And then I looked at the clock on the microwave and I realized I'd only been watching it for like 90 minutes. So I still had like two and a half hours to go. Holy shit, was that movie long? Uh, Needless to say, I didn't enjoy it. I think that's too much fluff, too much nonsense, too much slow motion, too much dramatic music, too much dramatic everything. 
Um, superhero movies should be fun. This was not fun. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm upset that I, that I watched it, but I'm not upset that I got the HBO Max because now I'm watching uh, a bunch of stuff. I'm watching Lovecraft Country on it right now. And, uh, what else did I watch? A bunch of other stuff. Uh, Adventures in Babysitting is on there. So, uh, get it for the Adventures of Babysitting. Stay for the Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Uh, stay away from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Just pointless. Pointless, pointless, pointless. And uh, it'll be just as pointless when I watch the four-hour black-and-white version later this year. Next up is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on uh, Disney+. And uh, I've, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but The Winter Soldier is my favorite Captain America movie. And uh, so I'm really enjoying this. I like the character of uh, the Winter Soldier. I like Bucky. I like Sebastian Stan. Um, I like Anthony Mackie. I like the Falcon. It's just kind of a fun. I like it. It's like a buddy comedy superhero thing. You've all seen it. I don't know why I'm telling you the premise of it. But yeah, I really like it. I like that it's kind of like got spy elements thrown in there and like uh, like almost like war film elements in there. But I really enjoy. So, uh, yeah, big thumbs up to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I like that it's not trying to do too much. It's kind of staying within itself. And uh, I like that, uh, you know. And uh, seeing uh, uh, Kurt Russell Jr. in the Captain America outfit is kind of funny. So, uh, yeah, I'm all on board for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Highly, highly recommended if you haven't already started watching it. you have uh, Amazon Prime, you need to be watching Invincible on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm a fan of the comics. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Corey Walker, huge fan of Ryan Otley. Uh, the, the cast they have for this is just astounding. Every, every voice actor is someone you've, you've seen or heard before. It's just unbelievable. You know, I guess uh, Kirkman's got the Walking Dead clout so they can get whoever the fuck they want. But uh, yeah, Invincible is just great. The character designs are spot on. Corey Walker designs. Um, the action is great. If you're listening to this podcast and you like foul mouth cartoonists, this is a foul mouth cartoon. Um, it's just uh, highly, highly recommended. It's it's fun action. It's gore. It's comedy. It's, uh, you know, I, a lot of uh, animation, I guess, quote unquote, for adults or, you know, I don't I don't really dig like I'm a fan of like Justice League Unlimited and stuff like that, the original, you know, Batman, the animated series, stuff like that. Um, and this is a great uh, kind of continuation of that. You know, um, it, it's fantastic. I think the first like four or five episodes are up by the time this comes out. So be sure to hop on it. Check it out. Uh, Jason Manzoukas's Rexplode is by far my favorite character. Um, his scene with Monster Girl in the, I think it's the third episode, it's just straight up classic. So much, so many great pulls straight from the comics. So many uh, changes that are that are perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with them. Um, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Wow. So uh, finally, we have uh, Godzilla versus Kong, or Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, whatever you want to call it, HBO Max again. Um, I watched this uh, a couple days ago when it first came out. And I'm not a huge, like, uh, monster movie guy or kaiju guy. Um, I really do enjoy Kong Skull Island. I watched it again, a couple uh, like, yesterday. Really enjoy it. I think it works perfectly set, you know, set in the, in the 60s or the 70s. 
just just really good set in the past. I like I like that 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 uh, choice a lot. Uh, I really enjoyed when I first saw it, the first Godzilla movie when it first came out. I did not like the second Godzilla movie, King of the Monsters, when it should have just been King of Monsters, and uh, I thought that was pretty lame. And so this one I had kind of mixed uh, mixed uh, ideas going into it. And uh, it left me with mixed ideas. T- to be fair, I watched it while I worked, so I wasn't paying 100% attention to what was going on on screen. But I was listening to it, and that might have been the downfall. Um, whenever the humans are on screen, it's just a terrible movie. They take this great concept of just giant monsters fighting, and they bog it down with, like, ridiculous, you know, like, ridiculous... Uh, science and ridiculous over explanation and ridiculous overworking and it's just it's just too much let them just be like monsters that were hidden on on in 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 hidden places for hundreds of years why why do we have to have this whole backstory and all this uh bullshit to go along with it when all you want to see is a giant ape fight a giant uh lizard and so yeah it wasn't my cup of tea i was a little disappointed in it but i'll probably watch it again when i can actually like watch it watch it but uh, yeah, on first uh, on first thought, it's just lame as shit, and uh, everyone should go watch uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, far superior movie. Some great Creedence Clearwater revival tracks in that, just uh, solid all around. All right, so that was Tig Talk. Those are what I've been watching, and uh, now we're gonna get into today's topic, or to the show's topic, which is uh, like um, advice for people who want to make comics. You know, Scott and I talk all the time about comic fans want to make comics it's it's what they want to do it's what they're in love with so i thought i would uh pick apart some terrible terrible um uh articles i saw on 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 a couple web pages and uh you know just just stupid terrible advice written by people that whole job is to get you to invest money in a school or or I don't know what what the point of these these articles are, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tear them a new one in a foul mouth tirade as I chug some more Miller Lite. And so uh, if this episode is really good for anyone who's uh, interested in in getting into comics, so if you've got like uh, someone special in your life, or you got a nephew or a niece or little brother, little sister, or even if you're you know in your 40s or 50s and you've always wanted to make comics, I think this episode will appeal to you. So. Uh, let's fire it up. I'm fired up. Let's go. So some of these points, you know, uh, are valid, but many are just kind of bullshit, you know, written by SEO writers whose whole job is to get clicks and, you know, get, uh, just get attention on the website, you know, so they're just, you know, these, these, these writers, these SEO sites stuff, they're just turning out garbage trying to convince young people to, to go, sign up to go to their trade schools and, you know, all these blogs and websites are sponsored by like, you know, online colleges and trade schools and shit like that. So uh, it's time to get real about working in comics based on someone who can, you know, th- my opinion, which is I can barely keep a toe in the water after 15 years. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But uh, yeah, here we go. The first uh, article that I came across when I did this search was uh, a website called theartcareerproject.com. Uh, I already hate the name of the website, but that's, you know, that's just being picky. Um, so here's some of the here's some of the thoughts they had, at least that were written down either by some hack or some computer simulation or whatever. And uh, I'm just going to I'm going to rebuff them or refute them or comment on them. Um, so here's the first one. 
it's not uncommon for a team to, this is what they're saying it's not uncommon for a team to be involved in the creation of a comic one artist may create only the key figures in the comic while another artist or artists create the backgrounds and a writer or writers write the script all right so this is some horse shit you know at least for the vast majority of western comics um, that practice where one guy draws the character and one guy draws backgrounds and stuff like that that's um that's pretty common in in manga but in in america you know in manga they churn out dozens dozens of pages a week so in western comics or american comics it's kind of super rare that you would ever have like a a background artist i mean some guys have art assistants who like ink in buildings and shit like that and maybe they do draw some backgrounds but i it's not something i've come across and uh so unless you're hiring like a studio to produce the art for the book then that might be going on but the statement just reeks of like laziness and ignorance. Like whoever wrote it, they they heard about manga or they they read manga and they're like, oh, this is comics. And uh, even though they're both sequential storytelling, there is a difference between manga and Western comics. All right, their next point at uh, theartcareerproject.com is um, since a lot of comic book art is generated digitally, even for printed comics, artists must know and master a variety of graphic software such as Adobe's Photoshop and Illustrator. Um, so maybe this is becoming more and more true. Some of the best comic artists in the world still draw t- traditionally, and some of them barely know how to properly scan pages. I mean, I get I get pages to color from traditional artists where, you know, they're scanned a little cockeyed or, you know, there's... There's all these little, uh, little, little things that happen when you when you do art traditionally that that doesn't happen when you do art uh, digitally. But to say that you have to master like Adobe Photoshop or you have to master like a, a graphics program to draw comics is bullshit. All you need to draw comics is, you know, a fucking crayon and a piece of paper, which leads me into the next point that they say on this website. A Wacom tablet is a must-have. But the process of creating comics usually starts with a pencil in the form of rough sketches and drawings on paper. So owning an arsenal of pencils from 6H to 2B is important. Um, This is just silly nonsense. Uh, First of all, don't feel like you have to spend a ton of money on a Cintiq or an iPad if you want to work digitally. Um, There's several Cintiq alternatives on the market for a fraction of the cost. Uh, You can can just search a graphics tablet on Amazon and find out what what you need. Um, you know, they might not have the horsepower of a top of the line tablet, you know, like a Cintiq and they might not have like hot keys and all the bells and whistles, but for most, most people, you know, just starting out or even for a veteran artist, these alternatives work great. You know, I, I've said it before, but I use a 20 inch Huion tablet that I've had for over three years and I've had zero issues with it. It only cost me about $400. I think I got it on sale. That was like a $500 tablet normally. Um, but even at $500 is a fraction of the cost of a similar size Cintiq which is going to be over 2000. Um, and also you don't need an arsenal of pencils. You need a pencil, one pencil and an eraser, and you can draw comic books. Um, all right. Here's their next point uh, or their next thing. Uh, there are probably a couple dozen ways to break into the comic book industry and earning a degree is one of the most valuable Although a degree is not mandatory, the level of training you will receive can help when looking for a job, advancing in this field, or branching out on your own. Um, yeah, maybe it's because of the debt I acquired or because of 
the rising cost of secondary education in this country. I have two kids who had to take breaks from college because they couldn't uh, couldn't get enough uh, student loans and they couldn't get enough uh, financial aid to keep affording college. Uh, I could not co-sign on student loans for them because of my own student loan debt. It's all a racket. Uh, so personally, I'm really upset with the secondary education in this country. It's all bullshit. It should all be free. But this is all nonsense to get you to enroll into an overpriced school that's going to put you in debt. Uh, most most creators I know um, didn't go to an art school um, or, you know, uh, if they did go to an art school or if, or if they majored in art at a state school, you know, they all say that the best thing they learned there was like a work ethic and business practices. So you don't need to spend $30,000 on an art education just to take a business class at your local community college. That's normally going to cost you like a couple hundred bucks. Um, in my opinion, our school is a scam. You know, maybe maybe it's different at some place like the Kubert School or uh, SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design. Maybe they really can teach you something special or they can hone your skills. Um, but daily practice will do the same thing and it won't put you in debt for the foreseeable future. So um, save that money. Don't go to art school. Art school is bullshit full of douchebags who are never as good as you are. Um and who uh, probably won't ever work in the art field. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I had great – when I went to the art, art Institute of Phoenix, I met cool people there. We had a lot of fun while I was there. Uh, I think I might be the only one that works in the art field right now. I hate saying the word art this much, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, but, yeah, it's just I, – I wish I had never gone. It was just a waste of money that, that caused me uh, insurmountable amounts of stress and debt over the years. Um all right, their next point is, <clears throat> as in most art fields, you must prove yourself first, often earning very little money starting out. In fact, a comic book artist who is new to the field might only make $10 per page, but as you gain experience and strengthen your reputation, you can make as much as $200 per page. Mm. So the $10 page thing is very real as is a $0 a page. Um, it's common and in some way, you know, it makes sense to work for free if you're putting together a pitch when you're brand new. Uh, most artists' first ever books were probably drawn for free. I drew four issues of a miniseries for no money for a publisher that's not even around anymore. But I was just thrilled that it was being published. I mean, I didn't make any money um, up front drawing that book. I did make money on the back end of that project, but that's super rare, however, so don't get don't get sucked into working for free just for the promise of back-end payment. Um, that shit very rarely ever works out. Rarely. Um, also, uh, the line in there about making as much as 200 per page, uh, that's a low rate for Marvel and DC and maybe one or two other publishers. So odds are, unless you're at Marvel or DC, you'll probably make less than 200 per page. But, you know, if you're at Marvel or DC, you're going to make more than that. And I've been at this forever, and I can't get $200 per page for black and white line work. Um, so, uh, page rates are, are weird. You know, you have to, you have to kind of just do the math, to figure out what's best for you. Um, all right. The last, uh, the last, uh, point from this, uh, art project career, artcareerproject.com is, uh, joining associations and organizations can also benefit an artist just starting out as well as attending conventions with your portfolio in tow. To advance as a comic book artist, you need persistence and dedication. By networking while at school and at conventions and other events, you can make lifelong industry connections, which can often lead to a job. 
So finally, something this uh, worthless piece of garbage web page, uh, you know, something that makes sense, something that I agree with. Uh, join up with other artists. Get yourself a crew. Uh, Mitch Garrods and Doc Shaner and a bunch of other dudes. I think like Declan Shalvey and uh, maybe Mike Hawthorne and a bunch of guys. Used to be part of an online collective. Um, and something like that raises everyone's profile and they all push each other to get better, you know, and, and now look at, at where they all are in their careers. So having peers push you to improve is huge. You know, to use like a sports uh, catchphrase, uh, never be the best guy in the room. Uh, you know, like being your mom's best artist, being your mom's favorite artist is is worth jacking shit. So uh, be nice, be cool to work with, network at conventions and online without being a pain in the ass or super annoying. Uh, and sometimes it's okay to just shut the fuck up, listen and learn. Like, don't you don't have to be the center of attention. It's okay to just like hang out with other creators and just be fucking cool for a couple hours and just kind of absorb uh, how they how they conduct themselves, how they're talking about the business, how they're talking about how they go about doing their work and, uh, you know, file all that shit away, you know, in your own brain for uh, how you want to apply it to how you work. Um, all right. So hang on, let me crack another quality Pilsner from the folks at Miller Coors. Uh, the next website I went to was a .org, which is weird, but, uh, you know, who knows, but it's learn.org, so I assume everything on the planet has a page on learn.org, um, but I, I, I picked this, this page, and it had some good points, and it has some not-so-good points, so let's get into it from learn.org, uh, their first point. Comic book artists illustrate cells in a comic book or graphic novel. Oh, fuck. Uh, I see this term all the time in ads when people are looking for artists to hire. Um, cells are for animation. Panels are for comics, you dumb bitches. So uh, never trust a writer or a publisher or a web article or anything that uses this term. It just shows that they don't know anything about comics. They don't know any. If you, they don't even know the basic terminology of comics or how comics are put together or how comics are drawn, you're in for a long slug of a job. If you uh, slog of a job, slog of a job, if you uh, agree to work with them. But uh, that's always a huge red flag for me. Whenever they use the word "sell" or "frames," whenever they put like, "Oh, this page is gonna have nine frames," uh, no one calls it that. And I don't think, I don't think the term terminology of like comic book panels is that rare that you don't know what that 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 people don't know what it means anyone who reads a comic knows what a comic book panel is they don't call it frames or cells so red flag city stay the fuck away from those people the next point from this website the bureau of labor statistics reports that most artists earn a degree in order to gain both the basic and advanced skills they need to excel at their craft and make themselves more attractive to potential employers. You will also be able to build a worthwhile portfolio and can take business or marketing classes to understand how to make a living as an artist. Uh, so again, this stat is probably more for graphic designers and animators. I don't know that many comic artists with college... I don't, I don't know, personally, I don't know that many comic artists with college degrees. I'm sure it's beneficial, but don't go into lifelong debt because you think you need a degree to draw like fucking Spider-Man. Uh, again, business classes are great. Marketing classes are great. I mean, that's that's how you get job is marketing yourself. That's how you get work in this business. So th that point is great. Uh, but you don't need to go to school to build a portfolio. You don't need to go to school to draw uh, Doctor Strange. Um, the next point here. 
Working in a vacuum as an artist requires dedication, time management skills, and perseverance. So this is actually very real and very good advice. Um, If you've had a hard time working from home uh, and being alone a lot during the pandemic that we've had for the last 14 months or whatever, uh, think about doing that times 15 years. Uh, You have to be able to get to work and avoid distractions. You know, you you can't, uh, every little thing's a distraction. My cat's fucking around and fucking shit up. That's a distraction. You know, my kid's uh, asking me a question, which is not a big deal, but anything that pulls your attention away from the board for even, or the screen for even like five seconds can cause 10, 12 minutes, 15 minutes to get you back into it. Uh, It's a weird uh, brain thing, but most creators I know are kind of like me in that sense. Um, So yeah, working working and being your own boss and not having someone like uh, standing over your shoulder or not having to clock in or clock out uh, is probably the hardest part of working about uh, of working as a comic creator you know um, starting in the next couple of weeks I'm going to be hooking up with or about in a month or so I'm going to be hooking up with a friend of the program Jay Gonzo uh, I talked about his book uh, La Mano del Destino at the beginning of the episode and we're going to be working in a studio together starting next month. And I'm super I'm excited about that. You know, I've never been one that thrived on my own, you know, drawing or coloring in my bedroom or in a home office, you know, or a tent in the garage. So I'm super excited to like have an office to go to, you know, sit down, get to work, uh, that kind of shit. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm really excited about that. You know, a couple of years ago I had a studio, but again, I had a studio and I was there by myself. So it's pretty much like being home alone. So it's great to have like, just someone there, even if they're not holding you accountable on an hour by hour basis, you're still not going to want to slack off all day while while you're working in a studio with somebody else and you're seeing them work. And so you want to get to work. And I think it's going to be a fantastic experience. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk about it more, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months. Um, all right. Uh, the next point from learn.org. Building a portfolio is important. Too, even if it just means posting your work to your own site. Finally, if you go freelance, you'll need to understand how to market yourself to prospective clients, which means having an online presence and a way to present your material quickly and efficiently. Um, so the the line about if you go freelance, I, th- I guess what they're ask they're saying is you could work in like a studio setting or you could work in i don't know like you could be exclusive to marvel or marvel marvel you could be exclusive to marvel or dc but even if you're exclusive to marvel or dc you're still freelancing they're not giving you a flat salary you're still getting a page rate uh it just means you get added benefits um a certain amount of work health health insurance shit like that but uh 99 of all creators work freelance um but this is uh this is a good real world advice. You know, if you want to draw comics, you need an easily accessible website with your page samples on it. Um, you know, somewhere so someone who's hiring can go. Like if you're on Twitter and you're like and someone is, is talking about they want to hire somebody, you want to be able to respond with a simple website website link. Uh, and something with not just pinups, but like sequential pages on there to show that you can tell a story. It needs to be easy to find. For example, super75studios.com. And uh, your social media needs to be easy to find as well and professional. Uh, you know, no one wants to hire someone with the Instagram handle of like at Deadpool Rules 9356B25 Gwen Stacy is hot 54. 
you know, that guy might be the best fucking artist on the planet. He might be the next Sean Murphy. But uh, no one wants to deal with that, dude. It's much easier. Use your real name as much as possible. Uh, brand yourself as your real name or, you know, whatever. Like, obviously, my website is not ryancody.com, but, you know, no one's... People know who I am, and when I, you know, when I send them that link, I'm the one sending them that link, and I've gotten work from people who see, have seen stuff on my website, so it's it works. It works. Just keep it simple. Don't overdo it. You don't need, like, the world's prettiest uh, portfolio. You just need something they can click through pretty easily, so don't make it, don't make them jump through hoops. Don't, don't be a pain in the ass. Just, uh, just get your work in a in a one hub that people can go to, look at your work, decide whether you're the person for the job, and if they want to hire you, have your email address handy or a contact form right on that web page. It's pretty simple. I have a WordPress site essentially that I just pay to get the ads off the WordPress site and then I pay for a domain. So it's basically super simple. I can edit my website through WordPress. Super duper simple. Cost me like a total of like $50 a year for both the domain and the, and the WordPress with no ads. So, uh, it's not much of an investment. Okay. This is the last one from uh, learn.org that I pulled. According to payscale.com entry level comic book artists make a median salary of 34,144 us dollars. The median annual salary for a comic book artist with a little more experience is 37,000 us dollars. Also, in the comic book industry, it's common to pay per page. So the amount you make may depend on how many pages you can churn out per day. Ah, so this is like, uh, there's so much here. It's a good one, though. Um, The the last line there, uh, the work you, uh, or or the money you make can depend on how many pages you can churn out per day. That's true, but also you have to be hired for all those things. It's not like... uh, it's not like you can, oh, if I can draw two pages a day, so I'm going to draw uh, 600 pages this year and get paid for all of them. You need to be hired for a 600-page project um, or book yourself crazy with work, but obviously your quality is going to suffer if you're doing too many pages a day. Um, I know that like um, people who work in the young adult book market, that style of art, they can do four or five pages a day sometimes, but if you're talking about like American, like traditional American superhero comics, Doing more than a page a day is a is a is a is a real job. I mean, I can do two pages a day, but it's a long day and it's mentally exhausting more than more than anything else. But according to this uh, whack ass website, learn.org, and its sister whack ass website, payscale.com, the difference between an entry level artist and someone who has been in the game a bit is only twenty eight hundred dollars a year. Like you'd be hard pressed to find any creator since the nineties. Uh, who who made 34k their first year in comics like if you're new in comics it, you're going to be a special talent if you're making 34 grand a year um, now if you pencil and ink a comic for like a top company dc marvel uh, valiant pays well uh, you should make way more than 37,000 a year but if you live your life down in the world of indie publishers where i do uh, 37k a year means you're doing really well um, unless you sell a project for like media rights and stuff like that, but making 37 a year just on freelance, just on page rates at a smaller publisher would be a huge accomplishment. Um, I have months where I make great money and I'm on pace to have a great year, but then I also have months where I make almost nothing. So it's, you know, the term feast or famine is thrown around a lot when it comes to freelancing. And this is, uh, this is no different. I mean, it is feast or famine in, in comic book freelancing, you know, sometimes you have a lot of work. Sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes you feel like a nut. 
Sometimes you don't. Mounds got nuts, but almond joys don't. Okay, so uh, here's some other some final thoughts. Those those were stuff I pulled off that website, but here's some thoughts I had, uh, you know, on my own that I jotted down. Um, so it's not all uh, gloom and doom. It's not all terrible. You know, if you're young and single, uh, starting out in comics is just like starting out in any field, you know, except that in comics you can, uh, you know, you can lounge around and work in your tidy whities you know, so that's always fun. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, here's my advice using some of the prompts that I saw. So uh, draw however you want, but digital is the future, I believe. You don't have to draw digitally, like I said, but I can see how it's going to become even more and more cumbersome in the future if you don't. Uh, scanning pages, cleaning up pages, collaborative working. It's just all easier. You know, scanning and cleaning up pages is something you never have to do when you work digitally. Uh, collaborative working is much easier. You know, drawing things on different layers for easy edits, that kind of stuff. It's all just easier. Workflow becomes easier when you work digitally. Um, but by no means do you have to work digitally. You know, most of what I color these days is drawn digitally. But like family tree is drawn traditionally and it's old school traditionally. We got a pencil, we got an inker, we got a color. So it's like straight up 1985, you know, up in family tree, tree business. But, uh, you know, yeah, the future is digital. Most of these kids coming up that are just drawing so well and so advanced and they're mixing color with line work with uh, just fantastic uh, shapes and visuals and design. Uh, that's all, for the majority of it, that's all digital. Um, and, you know, in the future, some publishers might only want digital files. They might only want to work with people who work digitally. You know, I've seen ads where they're hiring people where they're like, must be comfortable in like Clip Studio or must, you know, must provide uh, Photoshop files as pages, that kind of nonsense. Um, but yeah, it makes corrections easier. It, like I said, it's, line work and colors are integrated now. That's easier to do. It's faster. There's more tricks. There's more cheats. It's just uh, for a production-based art form like comics, uh, working digitally, in my opinion, just makes total sense. But again, don't don't go buy huge expensive equipment. I mean, I understand for a lot of people, four or five hundred dollars is a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. Um, but it's not nearly as much money as like Cintiq or uh, you know an iPad or something like that. Um, instead of paying for an art school, if you don't really need it, use that money that you would have paid to go to school, to travel to conventions, to buy those equipment or to buy those machines or tablets or whatever, and pay for a domain and a website. Um, you know, networking at conventions is probably as big as it's, it's probably as beneficial or more than going to art school. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta meet people. You have to be friendly. You have to be cool. You can't be creepy. You can't be like bugging people and hounding people and just being like hovering by their table and just being like a weirdo. Um, you just gotta be cool. You have to meet artists. You have to, uh, when you're introduced to another artist, you have to, uh, be friendly. You have to be, uh, engaging, you know, I'm not always the best at this, but uh, you need to build those relationships. Like, for example, uh, I, a former uh, uh, retail owner, comic book retail chain owner here in Arizona that I was friends with, uh, a buddy of his who owned a, a retail chain in California was going to hire someone to draw a book. They were going to publish comics for a little bit. So they wanted to hire an artist for a book. My buddy, Mike, who knew me from from just being around and, you know, we you know, we were friends he recommended to this guy, this guy hired me. And uh, so because of my friendship with Mike, and because I'm a cool, cool dude, 
you know, I got like a year's worth of work, not a year's worth of work, but I got like six, seven months worth of work on this project. Uh, that was Adventure Van. And then um, through Shannon Denton, who I met because he used to be local and everyone knows Shannon. If you're in comics, everyone knows Shannon Denton. But years and years and years ago, Shannon Denton introduced me to Phil Hester. Years and years later, Phil Hester reaches out to me to color family tree. And uh, so those kind of relationships, whether they don't pay off immediately, you know, first of all, you're going to have fun hanging out with these people. Comic creators are fun dudes to hang out with and, and ladies. Um, and so it's like hanging out with your friends while you're at a convention. And then a couple of years later, one of your friends might hire you uh, to color their uh, their image comic book. And it might be a dream of yours to uh, to work at image comics like mine, like I was or like I had a dream. Good Lord. And so, uh, yeah, just, uh, honor those relationships, pay attention to those relationships, cherish those relationships. And you never know what extra bonus, uh, stuff you might get out of it, you know, like work. Um, next up, they always say never work for free. I'm going to say, be willing to work for free if it makes sense for you. Uh, don't, don't uh i won't say don't ever do like free test pages a lot of things publishers will do is they'll want you to do a test page if you're fit for the project um i wouldn't say never do test pages for free but don't let that become the norm um publishers should be paying you for your test pages um so in the sense where you should work for free i think is if you're if you're developing something with somebody else if you're collaborating with somebody else you're developing a creator-owned project uh, yeah, you're going to probably do that for free if you have an equal stake in it. If you have, if you're 50-50 ownership with the writer, then yeah, it might make sense to work for free. Um, if it's a project that you're dying to work on and you want to show that, hey, I can do this, man, I can draw this book, then yeah, draw a couple pages for free and send them to the editor and, and try to do that. But for the most sense, be, on the, be wary of people who are asking you to work for free in this business because whatever they're doing for their day job uh, or if they're a writer and they're not working for free. So if someone's paying them to do their work, you should be paid to do your work. Um, but yeah, team up with other new creators, uh, find your group of peers, you know, uh, that's when you can afford to work for free. Keep your day job, draw comics at night. That's when you can afford to work for free. That's when I could afford to work for free. Uh, it kind of become the sec kind of became the second that, uh, that I started freelancing full-time and it became my full-time job is kind of when I told myself, like, you can't do this for, you can't work for free anymore. You've got to get paid for everything that you do. Uh, time is money work, you know, effort is money. You got to get paid for that. Um, don't let, uh, don't let veteran creators take advantage of you. You know, uh, a lot of people might, might want to work for free because such and such writer wants, wants to do a pitch with them or something like that. Um, if that writer is not giving you 50% ownership over the project, you shouldn't be working for free. Um, you know, uh, even a low page rate is better than, than free. And it shows that the partner that you're trying to partner up with values you at least a little bit, values your time, values your expertise, values, values your, uh, your sweat equity enough to at, at least offer what they can, you know, whatever they can afford. Uh, a little can go a long way. Um, so, uh, yeah, always try to get some sort of page rate if, unless you have total ownership in a, in a project and, uh, but yeah, be, be, uh, what's next here? What's next? Uh, uh page rates, 
Yeah, uh, be be honest with yourself about your page rate and and what you what you can afford to take and what you you know you don't want to scare off jobs by asking for Marvel DC rates when it's uh, you know a project for a smaller publisher. But uh, always always uh, try to get the fair most fair page rate for yourself um, and and get it in writing, get contracts. You know, uh, there's a project that I I'm waiting to start on that I'm supposed to be coloring like a graphic novel. And uh, the pages are rolling in, but I'm still waiting on a contract, so I haven't started on it yet. You know, hopefully that'll happen soon, but I'm not going to start until I have a contract. Uh, everything needs to be in writing. That's why I prefer to work through email. I don't love phone calls with with uh, collaborators or phone calls with clients because it's too easy to misinterpret what's said. I like having everything in writing so I can refer to it. Um, so yeah, stay in contact with your clients. Uh, stay in contact with your collaborators. Try to get the best and most fair page rate for everyone involved, but especially yourself. Um, and then the best thing you could do, the best thing you can do is network. You know, like I said, find your group of peers. Don't be annoying. Uh, don't message like veteran creators on Instagram asking for work and bugging them nonstop for like constant advice and shit like that. Um, just be open, listen and learn. Be cool. Uh, but yeah, online networking is the number one way to get work in this business and to find collaborators, in my opinion. Um, meeting people through social media is the easiest, uh, easiest way to, uh, to meet people without like, it's uncomfortable to talk to strangers and to meet people. And you might, you might come off like I have many a times you might come off poorly or something like that, but online you can, uh, you can compose a tweet or you can compose an email and reread it and make sure it's what you want to say before you click send. So online networking is huge in this business. Um, you just can't be like, you can't be fucking weirdo about it. You know, that's all. Don't be a fucking weirdo. Um, let's see. Be wary of job offers uh, where the person contacting you doesn't use industry standard terminology like I talked about before with the, the term sell instead of panel. Um, if they've never written a comic book for and before and they don't read a lot of comics and they're just trying to turn their screenplay into a comic, it's going to be a miserable experience for you. Um, those jobs can pay. But man, they're tough sledding. And uh, yeah, again, just be wary of someone who doesn't know the basic concept or terminology of, of the industry trying to hire you to do a job in the industry because you're you're doing them a, you're doing a job for them that's something that it's gonna benefit them. So you need to make sure that it's worth your time and effort. And a lot of times with the, with these clowns who Oh, it was my first comic, or I've always wanted to write a comic since I was five, and, and they haven't put in the work. They haven't studied comics. They haven't read comics. They haven't uh, learned how to write comics. They haven't done any any of the work. They just want the payoff. Be wary of them, you know. Um, be wary of a client that hires you that don't if they don't seem to want or value your input. You know, comics is a collaborative medium and a visual medium. So fuck them if they think they're more important than you because you're the artist. You're the most important person on that team. Um Build that portfolio, update it constantly, post to your Instagram, post to your Twitter, post new stuff. Don't get stale. Uh, always like I'm, I'm the worst. I'll go a week without posting anything and then I'll post like three things in one day. I'm terrible at it, but uh, don't, don't, uh, don't be like me. Listen to me. Don't follow me. This is what I'm trying to say. Do what I say, not what I do. That's what I meant. Um, you know, don't get into comics for the money. You know, options like uh, media options are few and far between. You know, there's a handful of guys who get option on everything they work on, but those are the top tier guys, you know. Um, 
you know, page rates, you know, page rates are stagnant. So if you're getting into this for the money, thinking your page rate's going to increase dramatically from year one to year 10, you're in, you're in, uh, you're in the wrong business, man. Uh, page rates are lower now than they were 25 years ago. Only the top guys are making top money. It's not like every year you're drawing comics, uh, Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, whoever. It's not like they're giving you a raise nonstop. You're having the same page rate unless you fight and claw for a new page rate or you go to another company they offer you a better page rate, but it's not like uh, it's not like it's going to go up by ten percent every year. It's not going to meet inflation, you know that's for sure. Um, and and don't be in in that regard. Don't be afraid to ask what the project's budget is. You know, ask questions. Don't lowball yourself on purpose. You know, uh, don't be like, oh, if I say I want this much, if I want, if I say I want one hundred and fifty dollars a page, they might say no. But if it, if if that one hundred fifty dollar page is going to take you. 10 hours, then you're making minimum wage. Well, not even minimum wage. You know, you're, you're doing a little better than minimum wage, but you know, do the math, be realistic. How long does it take you to do a page? What can you reasonably, how many pages can you reasonably do in a week? You know, extrapolate that. How much are you going to get paid for that week's of worth? How much work, how much are your bills? All that shit needs to be thought of, you know, if, if you're serious about making this a job and a career and not just a hobby, um, and be honest with yourself. I mean, time is money. The best thing you can do is be honest with yourself um, in comics. Uh, so a great resource uh, that I found is um, it's actually called creatorresource.com. It's put together by Stephanie Cook, I believe. It's a great website for answering questions, educating yourself about page rates, learning how to navigate the industry. They got all sorts of articles on there. Um, it's, a, it's a great website. So creatorresource.com. Uh, they're also on Twitter. And, um, you know, to wrap it up, just know that there's thousands, thousands of artists out there that can do the same job you can do. Um, the way that you get the job and they don't is you can be available. You you can have easily uh, an easily searched portfolio. You can have that online presence and you can be honest with your collaborators. You can answer emails. You know, you can answer DMs. You can respond when people uh, call you out on social media, which I think might not be the most uh, professional way to contact somebody, but if they do, then respond, you know, um, you know, if you're easy to work with and you're willing to contribute as a team member to the project, you're good to go. If you have base level talents, you're good to go. Uh, being on time with deadlines is ideal too. Um, I used to be great with deadlines, never had any problems. And then, you know, the last couple of years have happened. I've fallen behind on personal projects. Um, and my deadline to my crowd, uh, crowdfunding, um, responsibilities and stuff like that. So I'm currently working to rebuild that trust in my audience personally. Um, but don't let it get, don't let it get away from me. Like you got away from me. And if it does get away from you, just be honest. Uh, if, if you're working with a, with someone on a project, you're running behind, you're not able to, to, to do the work as rapidly as you thought you were. Don't let it slide, email them immediately. And, uh, again, just be honest. You know, making comics is is a passion project. It's not something anyone does, you know, to get rich. And if they do, they're they're silly or they're silly talented. Um, which I'm silly, but I'm not silly talented. So uh, mm-hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope it was sort of insightful. I'm sorry I uh, tripped over my words so much. I'm trying to watch a hockey game, trying to sip beers when I can take a breath. I don't have anyone here to help me out, <clears throat> Scott. So until next week, uh, let's all hope that we can get the band back together soon. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Thanks for your support. Go to TigShow.com. 
Uh, cheers, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.